0: Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast this week coming to you live from up the creek in Greenwich, London! Schreiber. I am sitting here with Anna Tashinsky, Andrew Hunter-Murray and James Harkin and once again we have gathered round the microphones with our four favourite facts from the last seven days and in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, and that is Andy. My fact is that some shows
1: at the Roman Coliseum featured sausage dogs. <laughs> People fighting sausage dogs? It's so unclear. It's so unclear what the actual thing is. Maybe. I mean, the thing is, they would be quite far away. As in, you wouldn't get great visibility on a sausage dog from that distance. (laughs) If you were in the back, you'd have no idea what was going on. Yeah, that's true. But maybe it was a swarm of sausage dogs against one Christian. You know, that (laughs) is
2: possible. Would you rather fight a thousand (laughs) Christian-sized sausage dogs? (laughs) A thousand (laughs) Christian-sized sausage dogs? (laughs) Or what? <laughs> or not.
1: <laughs> they often didn't get a choice, fun fact, in the Colosseum. Um, so uh, we should say this is a study, there's, there's been an archaeological study done recently, and these are Daxons, Vena dogs, whatever you want to call them. And they, oh, they were the kind of precursor, the prototypes of these dogs, because. The modern breed only emerged in about the 18th or 19th century. Oh, okay. But they were basically this kind of dog. If you dog. went when back they...
2: in time when you saw one, you would think it was a sausage exactly. dog. Exactly.
1: The thing is, we, we genuinely don't know what they thought. The archaeologists have been crawling in the sewers under the Colosseum for a year. They spent yeah. a year crawling in the mud on their stomachs and they found lots of stuff. They found seven coins, which does not feel like a good <laughs> return on investment. <laughs>
3: It's not a good wage, is it, for
1: the year? <laughs> uh, and they found some bones, they found some leopard bones, they found some lions and ostrich bones, but they also found these dogs. And we don't know, were they part of staged battles, which is great
2: fun, or were they acrobats, which is also fun. Which is amazing. There is another, there's a slightly more boring explanation, <laughs> which is that they might have been used to kind of hunt rats. Okay, Because oh, when you're right, at the Coliseum, right, right, yeah, yeah. loads of people there, you're eating lots of snacks. Right, it
0: could gosh. be that they tried to
2: stop the wow. rodents. But I mean, I'd rather think of them as acrobats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> all g- speculation.
0: Yeah. Did we not write stuff down back then? Because I'm pretty sure we did. How is it that sausage dogs have escaped history, yet we are... That's a great g- question. There was
3: a lot going on at the Coliseum. <laughs> it, was a, it was some mad shit for about 500 years. You couldn't write every single thing down every I'm day. I'm sorry. If
0: I walked out at the end of an evening at the Coliseum and I saw gladiators fighting, I'm not saying that. I'm going, did anyone see the fucking sausage dogs?
3: No, no, but no, but there was so much more weird stuff than that. Like, the real acrobats did amazing things. And one of the frustrating things is we don't have that much information because people write about it in fragments. Sometimes we've only got little bits of writing. There was the petaurus, which the sources we have suggest was a giant seesaw. Oh, yeah. And we think it was used at kind of half-time in the Colosseum. So this huge seesaw and you'd have two opponents competing on either side. And one would jump onto it uh, and it would fling the other one up in the air. I think oh, no. about 30 feet in the air. No, they it! <laughs> stop it. Apparently. (laughs) Okay. They'd go through through hoops of flame, I think one of the sources said, (laughs) and then come back down. Then the other one gets flung in the air. There is an account of them falling (laughs) to their death sometimes, as will happen. Wasn't there an
2: account of them putting criminals on there? Yeah. Uh, And the idea is, the lions come in, right, and they're going to attack the guy who's at the bottom of the seesaw. So you're always trying to get to the top of your seesaw so that he's at the bottom. I think
3: that some is speculated that that might be what they were used
2: for. The problem is, as soon as the other guy gets eaten, you're fucked, aren't you? Basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The, the weird thing is, this is all the halftime shows, though. Lots of the, lots of what we're talking about now is the halftime shows mm. in between. Um, what chariot races? And there may be other fights yeah, in the Gladiators. gladiators. But a lot, of the, a lot of the damnatio ad bestias, so being killed by wild animals, basically, organised by a group of people called the Bestiarii. There are lots of sources claiming that the Bestiarii were incredible trainers of animals, and they would train animals to kill people in incredibly elaborate ways that referenced myths for people. So they would recreate death scenes. You, uh, you guys uh, remember the story of Prometheus... He stole fire from the gods, and then he was punished. He was chained to a rock, and a liver would would fly down every day (laughs) and peck out his eagle.
2: Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, (laughs) So, eagle would fly down every day. But they recreated it the opposite way around. (laughs) Exactly, yeah.
1: (laughs) Supposedly, one bestiarius spent months and months training a single eagle to remove a man's organs.
0: Wow. Oh, I really—I don't think, I can't believe that's true. Wow. Like, yeah. The, the halftime show sounded amazing. They kind of sound like a modern halftime show of, let's say, a basketball, if you watch the American Super Bowl, Basketball, maybe. or a Super Bowl. Like, it's Ooh. really showstoppy kind of stuff. So they would do things where snacks would fall from the sky, and including <laughs> from, I mean, they're not from the clouds, obviously, but they they were sort of launched, kind of like how the people that would stand in the middle and shoot out t shirts out of rockets. From. They Ooh. had a toga cannon? Exactly. They toga so they cannon. had this. Yeah. 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 Well. <laughs> (laughs) What they actually had, though, which is amazing, is you got this wooden ball where on the inside you would win something like a T-shirt or as... as, (laughs) uh, But I know they didn't have T-shirts, so it's very progressive. No, uh, but it would be food or it would be money. It would even be the deeds to a house. You know, or an apartment, wow. yeah. So a lot of people really fought over it. But, but were there it's, bad it's things? Right. Were there bad things
1: in the balls as well?
2: No, I don't know. It's a happy. So ball. like, if you okay. open the bowl, you might get a T-shirt, or it might be you have to go on the seesaw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that <laughs> <It laughs> did sound pretty cool, though, didn't yeah. it? Um, they had, possibly, we think, um, like the spectators would have water sprinkled on them. Oh yeah, because they had toilets with running water. So they would kind of get the water from the river and kind of get it to go through the stadium and go through where all the toilets are. But they also had huge, we think because they had this in pool we haven't seen it in uh, the Coliseum, but it's very, very similar. They had huge, huge towers with loads of water in and that water would kind of sprinkle over everyone to keep them cool. And they also had a retractable roof. I no, know, they were more amazing. than 2,000
3: years ahead of Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. amazing, isn't it? Here we go again. Yeah, they yeah. just Your had a canvas friend. roof
2: that they could bring over whenever it got to Wow. Hot yeah,
3: The val- Valerium, I think. Yeah. And it was operated by about 1,000 sailors who would pull on the ropes, because they're used to pulling on rope sailors. Oh, wow. um, but, yeah, and you'd have advertising up, and we've got the, um, I want to say etchings in the stones, but we've got the evidence that you'd advertise there will be shade, Vela Errant. You know, there will be shade for you. It's incredible. Oh. Although Caligula liked to wind it back so he could watch people just boil boil up.
0: Oh yeah. As they classic. Watch. Absolutely classic Caligula. Yeah. 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 Um, it sounded hectic working mm. there though, because basically you could be a part of the show if anything went wrong, if the Emperor decided. So Claudius in particular, there was a there was a biographer called Suetonius who wrote about the fact that Claudius, if he was watching a show and something went slightly wrong. And everything was operated underneath in terms of the, if the gladiators were fighting, all the animals that came up into the stadium, they were all in the hypogeum, which was underneath, which is this extraordinary, kind of like the backstage of a, of a theater where they have just a crazy amount of stuff that you wouldn't realize That's to make amazing. shows happen. That was happening underneath. And so if something went wrong where something came up at the wrong time and it pissed off the emperor, he would just say, whoever the staff is down there, they're now in the show. Get them up there to fight the lions. <laughs> <laughs> Anything no. that went wrong, if the catering went wrong, get the caterers in there. So he just kept adding people to be killed in the... Right. Sounds I, great.
1: I heard that um, sometimes hecklers would be thrown to wild animals. To really? That's kill. fair enough.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we should start that. <laughs> I like the hypogeum because it's like, it's like whack-a-mole, isn't it? Because like a lion would pop up somewhere yeah, and then you yeah. had to go and fight it, and then some monkeys, and then a sausage, sausage dog. dog <laughs>
0: But the, but the whole point was is that it, it, there wasn't spots you knew that they would pop up. There were so many spots that, like the whack-a-mole, you could be facing this way th- expecting a lion, yeah, and yeah. then it comes behind you. And apparently, the system to bring them up sometimes was so supercharged that the lion would be lobbed into the. <laughs> <end>. Stop <laughs> it! Come on. That's an account I read. Oh my god! There's so much speculation
2: about this stuff. It's amazing. And um, right. the the first, the best seats were reserved for the emperor and the Vestal virgins. All right. Uh, they got the best seats, and then if you went. A little bit higher up you would get the senators and then you would get the knights and the nobles and then the very very furthest strata was for commoners uh, and then they built one more even <laughs> right at the very very back strata and do you know who that was for uh Ooh. uh commonest what what women is exactly right no mm-hmm. oh, really yeah i'm afraid so
3: because they gave us the best view <laughs> well yes exactly
2: right? you won't be able to see the sausage dog
0: Nah. Unless it was flung really high. <laughs> yeah. It seated a lot it seated fifty thousand people, the Coliseum, roughly. Yeah. And I went I went to Wembley to see a show. And that gives you like if you were watching a sausage dog, Dan, as you said, <laughs> like because I, I went to see I went to see Billy Joel at Wembley. Oh, yeah and my wife booked me this ticket as part of a Christmas present, and I said, what, what are the seats like? She said, I didn't really check, I'm sure they're good. You couldn't be further away from Billy Joel that's <laughs> possible. It was so far away that when the gig was playing, we could hear the song and the screens that allowed us to see him, which he, genuinely, he's sausage dog size at that distance. It was out of sync with the visuals. And I was like, oh my God, Billy's gonna be so angry because you know, there's so much money spent. That's how far away we were. <laughs> Sound and vision were traveling at a different rate. <laughs> That they were not in
2: sync. Yeah. So if you counted the number of seconds between the time yeah. he opened his mouth and the time you saw it, you could tell how far away exactly. he was. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You could
3: tell when you're going to get struck by lightning. That's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, you say 50,000 sounds big, but I just don't think we ever make a big enough deal of the fact that this Colosseum basically replaced the Circus Maximus, which was its predecessor, sat 250,000 people, still the biggest yeah. ever stadium. It's just, I find that wow. just so amazing. Was that? that was Rome as well, but it really? was... Uh, You know, they got bored of it. That was where they had lots of chariot races and then um, chucked the Colosseum in, which they never called the Colosseum. They called it the Flavian Amphitheatre. And we think the reason they changed the name is quite funny. So it started being called the Colosseum in sort of early medieval times. And we believe it's because the Colossus at the time was the Colossus of Nero, this gigantic 100 foot tall classic Nero statue of him. Uh, which had, its as Nero went out of fashion, its head kept changing. So whatever emperor was in power at the time, they'd shove his head on the statue. And um, eventually someone wrote a poem about the Colossus saying, so long as the Colossus stands, Rome shall stand. When the Colossus falls, Rome too shall fall. And when Rome falls, so falls the world. And then almost immediately after that was written and published, the Colossus fell. And we think they went, well, shit, this, everyone's going to think the world's going to end. We better change what the Colossus is. And so then we think they named the Colosseum the Colosseum. Wow. Because it was right nearby. And they said, let's just pretend. Uh, oh, wow, <laughs>
1: that's really cool. Um, I've got some stuff on sausage dogs. Of if you do. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Very nice. We've Sorry. actually got to move on. No, 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 no. absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Don't go near it. <laughs> I, I thought this fact would go in a very different direction. I've basically only got sausage dog stuff now. <laughs> um, do you guys know where the sausage dog capital of the world is? Is it oh. in Germany? No, it's as of this year. It's in the UK. Oh.
2: oh.
1: It's, almost unguess- it's almost totally ungettable, this. <laughs> is, it, related- is it Maidstone? <laughs> it's on the coast. On light masts, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's, I don't know. I don't even know why I say it. It's, it was in Southwold this year in Suffolk. Oh, yeah, they had okay. wow, well, a lot of um, you know. Poor people oh. in the audience.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> this year, Southwold hosted the world's largest ever single breed dog walk. Oh, when? Yeah? 2,238 sausage dogs turned up for a walk Whoa. at the same time. That's Th- a lot.
0: The size of one gladiator Christian.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you said turned up. Like, A, there were posters yeah. up around town and the dogs <laughs> just trotted up on yeah, their yeah. own.
1: Um. I know, and they have one person to walk, all of them. It was a nightmare. <laughs>
3: Do you want to hear
1: a fact that's not about Dachshunds? Yeah, and then we it need is, to move on. OK, OK. This is a, so I, re- I was reading an article in researching this about a, a Dachshund, which was caught on CCTV in Germany, and it was the only police lead for a, a case, a crime case, because it had an unusual lead, and they couldn't see the face of the criminal, and they could only see the lead on the Dachshund, and that was the, the oh, so police... It's such a like,
3: confusing case. Do we have any leads? Yes, we've got <laughs> this one lead, I've
2: told you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I only mentioned this because I, I because of the final paragraph which I loved but is not Daxon related but it was in this story uh, so here I'm just going to read it uh, verbatim it may not be the first time a pet has provided key evidence in 2017 a woman in Michigan was convicted of killing her husband partly on the testimony from their parrot which kept repeating don't shoot in the dead man's voice
3: <laughs> oh. wow.
1: spooky in his voice in his, yeah. supposedly in his voice I've never heard a parrot that can do Voices, but this one. Could. Wow, amazing!
3: But he didn't say don't shoot Mabel, <laughs> did he? Oh yeah. So we don't know who he was talking to. Yeah, yeah. How did that help convict her?
1: Okay, well, tune into Anna's new true crime podcast where <laughs> she frees this woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: It is time for fact number two, and that is Anna. My fact this week is that in the 1920s, spiritualists started complaining that Tutankhamun was appearing at their seances too often. (laughs) (laughs) It's just sort of spamming them. Was
1: he... Disruptive, or was it just there's too? Sometimes, much of this um,
3: yeah, he seemed to have, have quite bad mood swings, which I guess he was a teenager, so mm. um, this was. <laughs> go in... to your
1: pyramid. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck! Go to your tomb. Sorry, there we go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, this was in Tutankhamun's heyday, second heyday, which was the 1920s, I guess. So he was; his tomb was discovered in 1922. It was this huge deal, and he became this massive celebrity. Obviously, no one had ever heard of him before this. And um, at the same time, seances were very popular. Spiritualism was very popular. And so he kept on popping up, and there was an edition of a journal called Light, a journal of spiritual progress and physical research. And a letter in it said... We are getting a little tired of Tutankhamun. Mm. Messages purporting to be from him, which consist of vague generalities, are quite worthless. Anyone could compose them. Ooh. And saying, basically, you know, either give us good evidence of your identity, I don't know how, write some hieroglyphics or something. They're hard to do on a Ouija board. Uh... <laughs>
1: you need the expansion pack for that. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you need the right font, don't you?
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Some
2: wing dings on there. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, yeah, they said we don't want, un- want just random celebrities claiming to turn up. Either we want the good evidence or we want their message to be of such high quality that their identity becomes unimportant. Right. Some very fine teaching yeah. comes from these visitors and it's being spoiled by Tutankhamun. And yeah. the,
0: the thought was, wasn't it, that he, the reason he started coming up because of this heyday thing is because of the attention was so great on him that he was like invoked back into existence. That was the
2: excuse, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: rather than why is Tutankhamun not been like breaking into everyone's seance prior to that. It's because, well, he, was, he didn't know he was needed. Yeah, prior yeah. To as in it, he yeah. was
3: like, an a, they were claiming he was a bit of an egotistical attention seeker. And so he was up there like, well, no one cares about me. And then they started caring. So yeah. he decided, fine, I'll come and visit so you So what now.
0: was he saying? What, was, what were the messages he was bringing?
3: So sometimes he was angry his tomb had been violated. And he would smash everything up. He injured a medium. He broke lots of Egyptian sculptures that were in the room. Mm. And then sometimes he was a nice guy. <laughs> um. mm. <laughs> so right. It really depended. I wonder who a modern
1: equivalent of that would be, as oh, in yeah. someone who's very, very famous. And yeah. Well, they
0: did. In 2003, there was a pay per view Princess Diana seance. Um, I don't know really? if you remember that. 2003, yeah. no. so, so God. Yeah, but pay per view. It was like.
3: Why do you sound appalled at pay per view? If you're well, going to see I Princess Diana, you have to pay for it. Because
0: it's event
2: television. It was yeah. sort of. It was a. it would be a huge event that you would have pay per view because, you know.
3: Got it. Right. Yeah. Right. But you're saying it
1: should have been BBC Den?
3: <laughs> <laughs> License fee Prime only. Time. yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: okay, yeah.
3: budget cards of <laughs> to the BBC they just can't afford wow. it
0: but check this out this is a this is a seance that I 'd never heard of before. This was a medium who was quite famous called Lillian Bailey, and she claimed that she had a spirit guide who was called William Headley Wooten and he was a captain during World War one. He died in World War I, and she would use him in order to bring other people to talk, and she received a request one day to go and do a seance, but they said, it's a bit high profile, the person, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pick you up from your place, we're gonna blindfold you, and we're gonna take you to the place. So she was sat around the table, and then she wasn't allowed to take the blindfold off, so she did it, and at the end of it, having contacted someone, she took the blindfold off, and sitting in front of her was Queen Elizabeth II, Prince Philip, the Queen Mother, and a few other of the royals. And what it was is, it was not long after the king had died, and the queen mother was obsessed with the idea of contact, so the really? queen was at a séance. Wow. Can yeah. you imagine taking that blindfold off?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> and she <laughs> just slowly put it back on.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Take me home. <laughs> but she kind of used that in the future as a kind of she's the queen's uh, official meeting. Medium. Medium. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 by yeah, royal yeah. appointment. That's who she said she was. That's and incredible. the queen mother often would book sessions with her afterwards to try and do it. And the person who set it up, which was not in the movie, was a man called Lionel Logue, who was the therapist who treated the king for his stammer in the king's speech. Right. He's the one who set up the seance. Wow, so, they should have put that yeah. in. Yeah, def- what a scene.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you speak in a seance when you're one of the guests or do you only speak when you're the media? You're not
2: really supposed to, yeah. Okay.
1: Supposed I just thought, because that would have given it away. As in Not not enough people speak like the Queen and Prince Philip or and, and, and the Queen Mum to... You know, to conceal your identity.
3: Maybe they put an accent on. (laughs) (laughs) Like an Aussie accent or? Yeah, Cockney or Irish or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, German.
2: Um. (laughs) 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 Whatever they're best at. Uh. Actually, speaking of Germans, there was a big thing in the war, wasn't there, where um, there was a medium called Helen Duncan. Uh, And she was a Scottish 25 stone working class mother of six who swore, smoked and drank whiskey. She sounds great, right? Mm, Um, But at the time, she was like in the upper classes in London. They thought she was an absolute genius. They thought that she could speak to the dead. She was really, really important in the high society. Uh, And then in 1941, she was in a seance in Portsmouth and she claimed the spirit of a sailor told her that a certain ship had been sunk. And it turned out that that ship had been sunk, but it hadn't been reported yet. And so obviously she became, they were really worried about her. First of all, maybe, you know, she is somehow getting messages from the dead or maybe she's getting messages from the Germans or... or oh. Yeah, <laughs> or they thought the she might be a spy who was seeding yeah. the information. And of course, she got done for witchcraft,
3: didn't she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she was the last person, or the second last person, the last person to be imprisoned under the Witchcraft Act. But she got imprisoned under the Witchcraft Act of 1735. So what was she being imprisoned for? Being a witch. It's absolutely incorrect. <laughs> yes.
1: Not being a witch.
3: That's absolutely right. So the Witchcraft Act of 1735 was not about persecuting witches. It was the first act that acknowledged witches are not real, and so people pretending to be witches are the ones who need to be punished now for faking it. And so she was punished for pretending to be a witch. Uh, That's
1: brilliant. God, that's a real Catch-22 situation as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: it is, isn't it? Um, Have you
1: guys heard of Colin Evans? No. no. Colin Evans was a Welsh spiritualist in I think the 1920s and his big thing was claiming that he could levitate. So he would get an audience, probably an audience around this size, few hundred people. He would request the room went completely dark. Uh, the audience would sit around him in pitch, in pitch blackness. And they would chant, they would all chant the same thing, an incredible atmosphere, something amazing levitate, to be part of. Levitate, 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 levitate. Now the light's down. No, it was completely dark. And then he, he provided proof of it. He would take photos of himself at the very moment where he was levitating. Mm. <laughs> but the thing is, he was just jumping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he would just jump, take the photo, and then land. <laughs>
3: That's quite impressive that, that was, that was the whole act. <laughs> when
0: was this sir? Uh, twenties? Photos took a long time to expose back then to capture something. No, 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 no. You had a flash you had a
1: flash photo in the twenties, or it might have been thirties. Exposure times were right down. Was this he was smiling
0: the... in the photo or was he serious?
1: <laughs> he was very serious. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but his feet were slightly blurred. Right. And that was that also So I
2: suppose Dan is right that the technology must be new enough that people didn't like catch on, right? Didn't assume. I yeah. guess. Yeah. And it
1: was it was also if even if you were in the room you'd see a tiny flash of light and him. Oh, so that
0: would provide the light as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I always think that back in these olden days, the seance days in the 1920s, it must have been so much darker than it is today. (laughs) I just think there was less natural light around. Maybe we didn't have a moon back then because basically (laughs) all the tricks they did were based on it being pitch black. So, Mm. did you have one candle?
1: You know, just a bit of atmosphere, one candle? No, no, no it it on, you want not have any candles. Because, okay.
3: Well, because you had things like seance trumpets, which were these uh, trumpets through which the spirits spoke. They magnified their voices. And they used to float around in the middle of the room. And they'd have glowing rings on their um, back end and front end. And the way they floated was that a medium's assistant would just be holding it up, but huh. he'd be wearing black. So no one would see, and it's like, how dark does it have to be that you yeah, can't yeah. see? Yeah, yeah. this is what they all. And the ectoplasm, probably the best thing about all seances, the um, weird like physical manifestation of spirits, which was kind of white stuff, gooey, gooey stuff yeah. that would come out of orifices of the medium. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be pretty dark for you to think that's anything spooky, because usually it was handkerchiefs uh, (laughs) that they would stick up their nose as far as they could and then kind of pull out. There was one amazing medium, Mary M., who... Uh, produced ectoplasm with photos of Arthur Conan Doyle on it. So she said, Arthur Conan Doyle's coming out of my nose. (laughs) (laughs) This is after he died, look at this, and then pulled this tissue out of her nose with a photo of him on it, which someone pointed out later was the same photo that had appeared in a newspaper about a week earlier. (laughs) (laughs) It had obviously been stuck on. Oh, my God, these people. Arthur
0: Conan Doyle solved an incredible case uh, where someone was claiming that they'd contacted a celebrity from the other side, hmm. uh, which was there was a book that was released uh, called The Mystery of Edwin Drood. We've spoken about it before on the podcast. Yeah. I actually wrote about this in my book as well. I, I got obsessed with. What's sentences. that called, uh, The Theory of Everything Else out now. Uh, if uh, anyone needs is it, it's br- available. available in selected that, stars. It's right? actually in most shots. So yeah, and they have lots of copies. So if someone could buy <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I got obsessed with there was a period where there were People claiming because uh, seances were so massive that celebrities who were dead, Mark Twain, Charles mm-hmm. Dickens, all those were—they were dictating from the other side new novels, new works, and they would go on sale by real publishers, and people would buy them. They'd be reviewed in the New York Times, even if skeptically. They got they got sort of space and. There was one book, which was The Mystery of Edwin Drood. It was the final Charles Dickens book that he never finished. And he didn't leave any notes of what had happened to the character and who had killed Edwin Drood. So a guy called T.P. James actually finished the book by contacting uh, Dickens from the other side. And he said, this is the final book. They published it. There was a new forward written by Dickens as well oh, uh, to explain <laughs> the <laughs> process. They had a new book that they were working on together called The Life and Adventures of Bockley Whippleheap. Uh, it was a very exciting thing. <laughs> and it was it was Arthur Conan Doyle who said he didn't contact Charles Dickens. The reason Arthur Conan Doyle knew that is because he himself did a seance in which he contacted Charles Dickens and asked him, did you finish this book? And he said, "Nope, wasn't me. <laughs>
1: um, just on the, the Ouija board, I'm saying that right, Ouija.
3: Ouija. Yeah. Ouija? Ouija, Ouija, Ouija. Ouija. Yeah. Ouija. Yeah, well, whenever Ouija. I Most use them,
1: oh, I say there's Ouija. Two, there's two and there's also the squeegee board, which is a home thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so it was invented by someone called Helen Peters, she was a medium, and then there was an entrepreneur called uh, William Fuld who took over the business. And sort of, you know, it was so popular again around the time of the 20s and 30s. At one point, he had several factories all just churning out Ouija boards, like they sold thousands and thousands of thousands of them and he only sat up in such a big way because the board had told him prepare <laughs> for big business. So oh, yeah. yeah and then he but this is the really spooky thing. he went up on the roof of one of the factories to see a flagpole being replaced, right? And then yep. he fell off and died.
2: Oh My God. He just yeah. fell off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then did he He came back and said something? No, 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 no. <laughs> 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 uh, but still, it like...
2: makes you think, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the reason yeah. I think oh, yeah. that it's pronounced <laughs> Ouija is there's a YouTuber called Sex Kick uh, who went on to Yahoo Answers and searched for various different spellings of Ouija board and found, how do you make a Luigi board? <laughs> Have you played the Luigi board? And can you burn the Luigi board? And it seems, and quite a lot more, and it seems like there's a lot of people in America who think that it's not a Ouija board, but a, it's Luigi, a Luigi board. board. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> it's
0: coming through. Who are you? It's me. <laughs> okay it is time for fact number three and that is my fact my fact this week is that according to his various biographers pythagoras could talk with animals be in two places at once had a shiny golden leg and was able to tell fishermen the exact number of fish they'd caught in their net just by looking at it so this was a. I i could
3: do the last one i reckon
0: well but it depends how many there
2: are. Yeah, yeah. It depends on
3: the... Maybe not a trawler-man. Uh, Two. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Pythagoras.
0: Um, I'm, I'm genuinely really shocked that we've done 400-plus episodes and we've never, ever mentioned Pythagoras. And I'm doubly shocked that uh, after all the years of us doing this stuff, I didn't realise what a mad life... He supposedly had according to the stories of his life we all know him for his theorem very famously <laughs> he was a mathematician he was a philosopher i didn't realize there was a cult around him that sort of put him into a sort of paranormal territory where he what? was able to reincarnate <laughs> and <laughs> but and he be... wasn't he wasn't really a mathematician either that's the weird.
1: Thing. i i because i thought he was a mathematician he wasn't really he was kind of a mystic and then mm. cult leader and political figure and I mean, but the cult were very into numbers, weren't they? they so were that huge, was part yeah, yeah. of it. Exactly. but and numbers is... are very
3: maths related. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> they're maths adjacent.
1: Not when you're doing algebra. Great point. Yeah. Mm. Um,
3: oh, didn't you get a long way?
1: <laughs> Look at the GCSE. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, was, but he wasn't really a mathematician. Like Pythagoras' theorem had been come up with about a thousand years before him. And, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, oh, actually, related to the first ever episode we did a fish, there's a Pythagoras fact. Is there? Oh, yeah. yeah. One of the people who proved Pythagoras' theorem in a new way that had never been demonstrated before was...
2: President Garfield. President
1: Garfield. Was it,
3: really? Yeah. Oh, Garfield. yeah. Lying in that hospital bed being fed through his ass. You've got to do something <laughs> to distract yourself. Yep.
0: That's a confusing sentence if you haven't heard the first episode of such thing as a fish.
3: You'll just have to go back and listen. It's a great teaser, yeah. They were obsessed with numbers, as you say. And numbers, every number had a different personality. Now I don't know, because I couldn't find out anywhere how high up this went. Because it can't go forever but masculine numbers are odd numbers and feminine numbers are even. Even are considered the only perfect numbers, although odd ones are equated with divinity, so we're, all the genders are doing well out of this. <laughs> um, oh yeah, quite sweetly, the, the, the feminine number is two and the masculine number is three, and then five is the marriage number, but yet yeah, all these numbers meant specific things to them.
2: Yeah, it went about, as, I think it went as far as 10. Because uh, they had this. Not far sp- is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> they had this special thing where it's like, can you imagine like a snooker ball triangle where you have mm. one, then two, then three, then four, and that added up to ten. Mm-hmm. This was very special to them. Right. Uh, and oh, they God. had a poem or a hymn, really. Bless us, divine number, thou who generated gods and men, the mother of all, the all comprising, the all bounding, the firstborn, the never swerving, the never tiring, holy ten. Right. Mm. Yeah, they love ten.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And they love triangles. Playing snooker must have been hell, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Pythagorean. I get it. The right angle thing. What do you you guys think he was like? Like,
0: let's imagine we're living in the time.
3: (laughs) Okay, well, I I can say. So, like, a lot
2: of the things that you've said there about the golden thigh and talking to animals, they were written much, much later. Exactly. Mm. Uh, But some of the things that were written at the time when he was alive, they said that he did believe that the souls of humans could return as animals. Yes. So he did believe in reincarnation. We know that because people said it at the time. And also that he, you know, he had his own kind of wisdom. He had his own kind of learning. So we know all that kind of stuff happened. Golden leg, maybe not. So not. You know.
1: There, okay, so what about, because there, there's a story about a dog. And it's, a, it's uh. a, he, he was passing someone in the street... He, he believed that, you know, people could come back in the form of animals and all yeah. this, as you just said. So he once stopped someone who was beating a small dog in the street because he recognised in the barking... You should be in the Coliseum! <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he recognised in the barking the boy, voice of a friend of his who died. who ah. would then been reborn as a puppy. Yeah. Which does kind of... The whole story does kind of imply that if he hadn't recognised the yeah. barking as a friend of his, he wouldn't have <laughs> leave thought it. anything was amiss. Must have been a bad dog. Yeah.
3: Just leave it. But yeah. what,
0: does, what does he then do with the dog? It's, we
3: don't. you're turning this into a very different kind of talk show type of podcast Jerry Springer style, we don't know what he was no, like no, no, as in
0: like, what's <laughs> the <laughs> dilemma story in this? my friend is a dog, my friend's a dog stop beating yeah. the dog, okay I'll stop beating it wouldn't you be like, Greg what's up, come <laughs> hang out Have dinner at ours. Are you just going to be like, all right, see you, buddy. (laughs) Enjoy your new (laughs) life. Great to hang out. Sucks you're a dog. Uh, (laughs) (laughs)
3: Catch you later. Stop harming my leg. You never did that before. (laughs) (laughs) He, um, he, He did love numbers, but he hated... Irrational numbers, or at least he didn't believe they existed. So,
2: Is that why they're called irrational? Because he was so irrational about them? He had an or...
3: irrational loathing of them. The, the, um, sorry, they're
2: the ones that go on forever. So
3: they're, they're numbers that can't be expressed as a fraction or a ratio, which I only realised when I was doing this research, having kind of known this, irrational Ratio, they're numbers that you can't express as a ratio. So five, <laughs> six over two.
1: Yeah, you idiot! Can't believe. You, can't believe we were all thinking so that. So twenty.
2: If you take twenty-two <laughs> divided by seven, it gets to quite close to three point one four something, but it doesn't get to pi, which is three point one four one blah 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 blah, which goes on forever.
3: And that would be an irrational number. Yeah. And right. he didn't believe in them because yeah. he loved finite numbers. Yeah. And they were on a boat one day on a cruise or something. Um, and <laughs> one of his followers called Hippasus proved the existence of irrational numbers by saying the square root of two is one, which not is one, <laughs> is one, is one. Uh,
1: <laughs> this is why I got no further than GCSE. <laughs>
3: um, and he, according to reports, was tossed overboard. Yeah. Really. So you've got to be careful with, s- be careful, with strict okay. teachers. Well, then, yeah. they yeah, then they killed him?
0: Yeah, they killed him, They killed him for proving that the, s- the square root of two is an irrational number. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but he had- made him walk the plank. But he believed in reincarnation, so he probably thought he'd bump into him
3: on the street. <laughs> yeah. As a cat, or something Greg, like Greg, yeah. Yeah. dude. I
0: don't know what happened with my temper that day, but <laughs> wow. It was a fun cruise, though, wasn't it? While um, it lasted? When you joined his cult,
1: you yeah. had to say nothing for five years, and that was how you got to the next level of yeah. the cult.
2: Um, okay. And also, he should have a- gone four years and eleven months. <laughs> that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. And you bag your foot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but his,
1: he had a system for his followers, right? So there were the mathematicoi, who were the senior followers, right? and he would meet them in person and he would discuss proper maths with them, hard maths. And, you know, they would, they would think a lot and they'd do a lot of, you know, they'd do the big stuff. Uh, and they, they had to make sacrifices. They had to give up meat, uh, women, they're all men, and private possessions, okay? Mm. So that's the senior tier. And they never touched white roosters. Is that true? Yeah. Wow.
2: Okay. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> like, <laughs> you'll
1: have to give up meat, women and private possessions. Fine, fine, anything else? There's one thing,
0: I'm out. Um, <laughs>
3: A couple more rules. Okay, yeah. um, Don't eat your brain. <laughs> don't
0: eat your brain. That's Couldn't a good. Couldn't find
3: out really anything else, but I suppose that's all you need to know. Um, don't break bread. Don't poke fire with a sword. Um, <laughs> never urinate into the sun.
2: <laughs> I, I've heard don't urinate into the wind. <laughs> <laughs> never into, the, into sun. the sun. You might put it out. <laughs> And we say that they couldn't eat any meat, which was mostly true, right. uh, but they did still sacrifice an oxen whenever they proved a mathematical formula.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. sorry. So and, and sorry, what am I being sacrificed for again? <laughs> oh, normally it's to a piece of God or something. This, this, this doesn't sound important.
2: You're, uh... you're being put into a pie. That's
1: <laughs> oh, my know.
3: God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh,
1: That's no.
3: sympathy. No.
2: That is sympathy. No.
1: That's the best joke you'll hear for months.
2: <laughs>
1: but then he also had these junior tier followers, who like, people who basically hadn't subscribed, and he they were called the Akusmatikoi. Is this like a Patreon? It was a Patreon. <laughs> it was a, genuinely, he had a subscription service. Like, so the mathematicoi were, were in, and then the Akusmatikoi, he would only speak to them from behind a curtain.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: And they weren't allowed to see his face, and they couldn't learn any proper maths, like any
0: detailed maths.
3: But was that, that was really because he wasn't the real Wizard of Oz, was he? <laughs> he was yeah. just an old man. Yeah,
0: yeah. This, uh This thing of him hiding behind a curtain so that you couldn't see him as he was talking, there's, there yeah. is one of the stories of his death is uh, directly associated with that. So someone on the lower Patreon level uh, was part of that, couldn't see his face, got so angry that he couldn't see him, was furious that he uh, burnt down his house and then Wait, but Pythagoras' house? He burnt Pythagoras' house down, and then he chased him into a field. So Pythagoras was in the lead. He's going good. <laughs> he gets to the field. He's escaping this man. This is how the story goes. And then he notices that the field <laughs> is full of beans, and Pythagoras refuses to step on beans because he believes that beans, much like dogs, are the reincarnation. Greg? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I thought what you were going to say is that the guys chasing him went round two sides of the field and he went
0: diagonally across it. So so he gets to the field of beans and he stops and he thinks, I can't step on these beans, I'll kill the beans with my feet. And so the man catches up and rather than going, fuck it, I'll just stamp on some, you know, beans... Uh, he just stands there while the man cuts his throat and kills him. And that's the death of Pythagoras, according to one yeah, of but many... Accounts. I think
1: there's another version of the story where loads of his followers gave their own lives so that Pythagoras... Go, Pythagoras, go, go, you must go. We'll give up our lives while we're killed. Right. And he still gets to the edge of the yeah. bean field. Listen. I can't do it. <laughs> I can sacrifice them. I can't sacrifice you, my beanie friends.
0: <laughs> he supposedly had the power to write words on the face of the moon.
3: Oh yeah.
0: And I forgot to write anything more about that. <laughs> As in, did he ever do that, or was it? I'd just love to he tell the, you, Andy, had the power but the parade, I'm afraid I've just. That's yeah. a single sentence there. <laughs> that's just.
1: And for just two ninety nine a month, you'll be able to see the words I do write on the face <laughs> of <on> the moon. <laughs>
0: I need to move us on to our final fact of the show. It is time for our final fact, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week
2: is when the website health.com listed the fattiest foods in every state in the US, entrants included North Carolina's liver mush, New York's garbage plate, and Indiana's fried brain sandwich.
3: See, they never read Pythagoras (laughs) in Indiana, did (laughs) they?
2: Um, so yeah, this is a fact just about the disgusting things you can eat in America. Yeah, the fried
1: brain sandwich sounds
2: really, yeah, um, yeah, weirdly, like the others are slightly euphemistic, well not even that euphemistic, but fried brain sandwiches are literally exactly what they sound like. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Whose brain? Uh, well, it used well. to be uh, cow brains, but after my cow disease came in, they're now pig brains. Uh, one little tip: uh, If you, um, when you bread the brains, as in you put the breadcrumbs on there, make sure you have cold hands, uh, otherwise they can fall apart. So that's a little bit of a tip. Mm. And the best place to get them is Hilltop Inn in Evansville, and that has been dubbed recently in 2009, actually, the manliest restaurant in America.
1: Ah. Oh. <laughs> I- I know I'm a man, but I don't actually want my restaurant to be manly. No. It's never it's not even in my top five criteria for a no. restaurant.
2: Shall we go Indian, Chinese or Manly?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this list is incredible though. It's got I mean, so you read out some of the the, you know, the most amazing sounding ones. But even yeah. the even the other things on it, the Colorado, the Jack and Grills seven pound breakfast burrito is the mm. least healthy food in Colorado. Connecticut, the two foot long hot dog, which and these aren't just in one place, lots of them are available
0: in lots of different places. Yeah. Um, There's the Quadruple Bypass burger, 8,000 calories. I've had some of one of them. Have Have you? you? Yeah, in
2: Vegas, right?
3: It's not impressive to have had some of one of them.
1: (laughs) 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 Don't put your photo on the wall for that, mate. (laughs) They'll put some of your photo on the wall. (laughs) Uh, Did you hear about the Luther burger? This no. is in Georgia, in the south. This is a, Right, it's a normal burger, the Luther burger. It's a normal burger. Uh, it's got egg, it's got bacon, and it's got cheese, as well as the burger. So far, so meh. But it's not served
2: between a bun. Can you guess? Uh, Luther, between two church doors. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's between
1: the north. It fills the gap between the north and south doors on the transept, it's amazing. No, it's someone, someone in the audience uh, murmured it actually. It's, it's between two Krispy Kreme glazed donuts. Oh, yeah. And me. was That's that part
3: bun. of his Protestant theology? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the donut thing?
1: It was the 96th theorem. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, different... Shall I just quickly say the other two, very quickly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, liver mush um, is a savoury sliced loaf made from pork liver, scrap meat, uh, often from a pig's head, spices, and cornmeal. Nice. Okay. Uh, and they have a liver mush eating contest uh, in wherever it was in North Carolina every year. Um, they also have a liver mush pageant, but um, in last year's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Consisting of what? I mean, are there I floats or the.
3: it's? Um, it really feels like putting lipstick on a pig, really <laughs> trying to <laughs> make that attractive. It's
2: basically a festival and they have lots of things, but they okay. have basically the. Local children or young women it's that kind d- of dress as liver mush. Know, like, they just dress as normal. Is it like a liver mush queen? They often do that I kind think of thing. So. Don't That's they? the okay, kind okay, of thing, okay. yeah. Uh, and the liver mush eating contest, where last year the winner managed to eat some. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and Garbage Plate in, is from Rochester, New York And it's basically, this actually sounds really good It's a choice of any meats So um, even though I am vegetarian But let's pretend I'm not uh, It's like hamburgers, hot dogs, sausages Any kind of stuff You shove a load of french fries on it Shove a load of beans on it Macaroni cheese And then cover it in a special sauce That wow. actually sounds quite good to me
3: <laughs> Really depends on the special sauce yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it does well saying, yeah. I think it's hot sauce
0: Okay. Yeah. I love. We've mentioned it before, uh, James. You've been there, um, but I just love reading about it every single time. Which is the disgusting food museum in Malmo, Sweden, mm. and it just collects food that is utterly horrible. And James, you tried a few things there, which yeah. tasted horrible. I was reading an article by a guy who went there uh, in 2019 called Arthur de Meyer. And he described sort of, he gave a bit more of a sort of explanation about these particular foods. So you can have an Icelandic shark dish there called hakarl, mm. And he said it was, it was, eating it was like gnawing on three week old cheese from the garbage that had also been pissed on by every dog in the neighborhood. <laughs> that was one thing he had. He had I a, had that there, by the did way. Did you? Yeah, I did. Did you vomit? Uh, No, I didn't vomit
2: at all from any of them, actually, although I retched quite a lot. (laughs) Does that count? No. No, no. Um, But the Hakka one was funny because the guy told me that it was um, seeped in urine, and I ate it, and you could really believe it. It (laughs) it did taste like piss. Right. Uh, And then I actually put it in a QI script, uh, and it turned out to be completely
0: true, untrue. Oh, no. it, was just, oh, no. it was
2: a natural urine taste that it had. It didn't
0: they didn't uh, add any yeah. urine until uh, okay. it's so we cut it. Yeah. There, oh. There's another one, uh, the South Korean wine. Did you drink that? Actually, alcohol? I think that's behind a sort of glass because in order, part feces, of, feces. You have wine. fresh turds of children specifically. And the owner of the museum, one of the founders of the museum, he actually went about scooping up his eight-year-old daughter's poo in order to make the Oh, that doesn't count. It's
2: like if you're buying it from South Korea as a special thing, that's yeah. one thing. If you're actually making it from your own Home that's brood. different.
3: But hmm. it says it has to be fresh, and no turd is going to be fresh by the time it's gone from South Korea to Sweden. Oh. I don't I think turds are ever fresh.
1: That's not. <laughs> what? <laughs> they, they absolutely are. They can are. be new.
3: No. You, you <laughs> no. I see
2: what you're saying. Like if, <laughs> like, if you're at a fresh deli, you wouldn't expect yeah, to see yeah, it, exactly, would you? Yeah.
3: They're safe at least five days after their best before date. I'm telling okay. you. Okay. Um, um,
2: gosh. Um,
1: so, I, I got, slight, got slightly distracted from this because uh, uh, someone wrote in, actually, to the uh, podcast email account, uh, podcast.qr.com, uh, and it was, uh, this is from Evelyn Keeley, and it's that Oklahoma has a state stake you know, these official state things they have? They okay. have sorts of absolutely mad stuff. So Oklahoma's state steak is the ribeye steak. Um, the state drink is milk. They've, this is a complete bracket, but they've got a state astronomical object, which is the Rosette Nebula, 5,000 light years away. <laughs> I've no idea why.
3: Feels um, <laughs> What? Such an unreciprocated relationship. Yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> Twinned with, um, yeah. uh, and they've, but they've also got right. This is this is what sort of brought me back to the actual fact, which is the state meal. Okay, and the state meal is this: it's some chicken fried steak, followed by barbecued pork, followed by fried okra, squash, cornbread, grits, corn, sausage with biscuits and gravy, black-eyed peas, strawberries, and pecan pie. Mm. And that's the state meal.
3: Cool. Hey. Yeah. A lot of that sounds good, just not in the course of one meal. Actually, i um, just speaking
2: of like many courses with meals. Mm. Um, there is a footballer called Robert Lewandowski who plays for Poland. Uh, and whenever he eats a three-course meal, he always eats his dessert first. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Does he have a reason for it? Yes. Uh, He's
3: Benjamin Button, isn't he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, this is a new wish kind of diet. And the idea is you eat a very fatty dessert and then you eat your main course and then you eat your starter. And the idea is, what happens is if you eat a normal meal, you have your starter and your main course and then the dessert will come and it looks really good and you're like, oh, go on, then I'll have it. And you find some extra space for it. But people are less inclined to do that for their starter. And (laughs) they tend to choose better main courses as well. And so there was a study done with people who were either told to eat in the normal order, or they could have a cheesecake and then choose their main and choose their um, starter or they could have some fruit and then choose their main and then their starter. And they found that the people who ate the cheesecake first had 30% fewer calories than anyone else in their meal, and that includes a really fatty dessert that they wow. had. That's brilliant. It- That's amazing. Yeah, it's He's- like a trick. It's like you're tricking your mind.
3: Yeah. We well, have
2: just cracked it, haven't we? That's, you've just cracked the whole food thing.
3: <laughs> that's amazing! The whole food thing. I just think that's wow. If that works... Retire. Yeah.
2: You think, I've had a sticky toffee pudding, so I think I'll just have a salad for the main. Thank but you very much. But do you much. want to finish your meal with a nice bowl of soup, or would you rather finish with a chocolate cake?
1: I'd rather
3: the finish thing. with a starter. A starter's everyone's favourite course, isn't it?
2: Oh, okay.
1: Nope.
3: See?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, way fewer than a third of the people in the room said yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's not
2: proof.
3: You'll always get at least one yes.
2: (laughs) You are one of those people who goes to a restaurant and goes, oh, I think I might have 12 starters.
1: (laughs) Quiz question. Oh, Mm. all right. Great. Can can you guys name a, a processed food product that the Earl of Sandwich was responsible for inventing?
2: Um, OK. We're not going to uh, do oh, so, it, oh, oh, sorry, a
1: processed product. A, a food or drink product. Oh, fuck. i have given it away. Or <laughs> <laughs> drinks, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah, follow that, So uh, is yeah. it a
2: liquidised sandwich?
1: <laughs> it's the m and new liquid sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fizzy drinks. Oh. What? Yeah. What? So he commissioned Joseph Priestley, the chemist, uh, to, to work on ways of making stale water more palatable and to keep water lasting longer because of ships. Ships would have stale water. It would go horrible. Uh, it's a problem. People don't want to drink their water on board, so they, you know, they might be dehydrated. So he hired Joseph Priestley, and Joseph Priestley created carbonated water. Um, and it, as a result, it's slightly acidic, carbonated water. So it's that means it's slightly antimicrobial, and it means mm. it lasts longer.
2: Wow. So that
1: is actually... The product that he is kind of responsible for, and uh, the sandwich
2: was way way earlier, and he just popularised it. Yeah, you
1: might remember this. I got married in the room where he invented the sandwich. Did you? Yeah, you, yeah. Did, oh. didn't you? And that was and
2: such the... a cheap
0: meal as well. <laughs> <laughs> <that
2: wedding>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting fact, everyone, while you're eating your ham sandwich, it's a
0: homage, <laughs> uh, and enjoy your glass of coke. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can I just say, Andy? Crisps are available for purchase at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Which will be a meal deal which you can pay for when you leave. It's not a free wedding, I should have mentioned. Um, Andy said to us before the show started, Guys, I'm going to tell a personal anecdote tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Was that your personal anecdote? It was my personal anecdote.
1: (laughs) Pretty good, yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. Nice. He never tells anything. That was huge insight. It was
1: very brave. Wow. Well done. Well, the guy from the council made such heavy weather of it in the room on the day. (laughs) It was practically more of a sandwich talk than a wedding. It was
3: was (laughs) most of the ceremony, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And do you wish to be sandwiched between the holy laws of matrimony?
3: (laughs) one other food, um, state American state food yeah, that I didn't it. know about. Um, yeah. Again, we'll be very familiar to people from these places, but uh, in places like Oregon and Washington State, uh, there's, now it's spelled G-E-O-D-U-C-K. G-E-O-D-U-C-K.
0: Goo duck? Gooey duck. Gooey duck.
3: Yeah. Weird to start with. is gooey duck, spelled completely the wrong way. And I've never seen one. They're the biggest burrowing clams in the world. And they look, they've got kind of a normal-ish size clam shell, about the size of your palm, and then it looks like...
2: Looks like a slug's coming out of it, right? Yeah, duck. but it
3: looks like a slug who's tried on a dress 12 sizes too small for it <laughs> is coming out of it. You've got a slug the length of most of your arm coming out of this, bulging out of this tiny shell. And, I mean, it looks so phallic, that it's very hard to get around the fact <laughs> that it is. And this is a, um, a delicacy. They live up to 150 years so, and their entire lives are, they're born, they burrow really deep with their shell into the sand. And the reason they've got this huge phallus on them is so that it can stick up and just pop out of the sand oh. on the bottom of the seabed. Wow. So it can collect up what it needs. Wait, um, wait, wait,
2: the phallus is collecting. No, 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 it's not a phallus, it looks like a phallus. Oh, sorry, right? okay, oh, it I got it, got like it, sorry. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's actually its
3: mouth. Blimey. And it's a... <laughs> it's a siphon. <laughs> And he's going to be doing some Googling (laughs) (laughs) tonight.
1: It's a really creepy slogan. It's not a phallus, it's a mouth.
3: (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Whose slogan is that? (laughs) It's the slogan of the gooey duck. And, yeah, it's, uh, so it's actually a siphon. So it sheds salty liquids, actually, that it doesn't need anymore, in fact, in water. I
1: know it looks like a phallus and it's shedding salty liquids, <laughs> but I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, it is a mouth. Yeah. <laughs> if a gooey
0: duck looks like a phallus and quacks like a phallus. <laughs> Look, we've run over. I need to wrap us up. Okay, that is it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in contact, Contact with any of us about the things that we have said over the course of this podcast we can be found on our Twitter account so I'm on at Shriverland Andy at Andrew Hunter M James at James Harkin and
3: Anna you can email podcast.qi.com
0: yep or you can go to our group account which is at no such thing or our website no such thing as a fish.com all the previous episodes are up there there's also links to all the merchandise that we've got and also Club Fish our very secretive behind the scenes place where we do extra episodes and compilations and, and gossipy chat it's really fun Um, so do check it out Uh, but we'll be back again next week with another episode so we'll see you then thank you so much up the creek that was awesome we'll be back again goodbye